0: all right welcome back to this week's edition of the omni talk fast five it is january 24th 2020 my partner in arms and is on vacation this week she's down in sunny florida jealous of her but i am joined as usual by emma the intern on my left and Carter Jensen across the table.
1: well-deserved warm weather break for Anne. Uh, never underestimate the power of a few days of sunshine.
0: Not at all. It as we say amazing. as we say that, when there's a foot of snow on the ground here in Minneapolis, I almost plowed into the snow plow in the parking lot on the way into third house this morning. Uh, that was almost incredibly embarrassing, actually, because I didn't see the guy. Yeah,
1: your Alexa enabled Lamborghini just doesn't do <laughs> no. what you need it to do here in the snow, does it? No, it does not. It does not at all.
0: No, d- definitely not. The-, the old Volkswagen Golf just wasn't, uh, <laughs> just didn't see it through That's the It's a reference to three today. episodes ago. So yeah. if you
1: haven't listened to our uh, CES recap, there you go.
0: Exactly. And Emma, you're back in school? Yeah. After a brief hiatus, the cri- the uh, sorry the holiday vacation or the winter break, as it's maybe more affectionately known these days, college I- summer.
1: It's like a month and a half long. Mm-hmm. How was it in Jersey?
2: <laughs> New York was fine. A lot warmer.
1: <laughs> nice. Got nice. to leave
2: the country or leave North America for the first time to do a Europe. That's cool.
0: Yeah, like you 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 had guts. You like you landed in Germany, right? And then you drove on your own to france if i'm not mistaken right
2: yeah and then i flew to italy
0: and then you flew to italy what was the drive to france like solo
2: crazy because the lines on the roads in germany and france just don't make sense people drive like 120 miles an hour and yeah i gotta tell you i
0: admire the fearlessness of you doing that that's i don't even know if i that's something i could even do today like say let me was an automatic or a
1: manual car
2: automatic okay there okay. you go i don't know how to drive a manual well car. you
1: know you never know
0: yeah i'm <laughs> done with the stick i can't for those listening I, yeah that that ain't happened for me either so well hey i got a few like just things i want to cover here this morning before we get to the headlines so we've got some great stories this week we've got some cool things coming from google from intel i think we have a controversial story at the end around recycling and h&m cvs walgreens they all hit the mix this week so stick around we've got a a great Fast Five plan for you, but a couple of cool things. I want to send out congrats to Placer AI. They just secured the latest round of funding. Really excited about that. As you guys know, we pride ourselves on being on the fronting edge of companies, uh, who's making waves, uh, who's taking names in the world of retail. We've been working with Placer AI for quite a long time, so congrats to all those guys. Really well-deserved recognition for all the hard work they've been doing. Other fun anecdote. I don't know if I got this. I haven't told even Carter and Emma this yet too, but this was one of the funniest things that happened at NRF last week. I was in the podcast booth um, interviewing Antje from Walmart and I start getting texts from Ann. And she's like, Chris, Chris, you're not gonna believe this. Somebody is literally in the press room being interviewed by someone and they are dropping last week's Fast Five verbatim. How do we know this? Because they were talking about, remember the episode where we talked about Perso, and everything else that week in terms of like what our what our, our recap for the week was. It was literally like a line by line. So they lifted Re- it. They, they lifted it. Literally took it, took it recap summary. And oh, Anne was there man. listening to it. She's like, "You're." and she's giving me play by play. She's like, you would not believe this. They're talking about all the exact things we talked about personally. Like how it sits on the counter and what it could do for the makeup what industry. What is it? How uh, replication
1: become. is the greatest form of uh, flattery that's or whatever it might yeah, be. Yeah, imitation, right? Imitation. I think that's
0: the word. So so yeah, that was cool. That was really cool for us to see take a lot of pride in that. Um, you know, next time, hopefully we'll be quoted as, as the source for that. But, Sourcing would be great. But hey, I'll take it. It's a first step in the right direction. So thanks to everyone out there for you know, helping, uh, helping get our word out there and continue to grow our audience. Last thing I want to do, this one's a little bit bittersweet, but, and I'm curious because I've got a Gen Z here on my left and across the table, we've got a millennial. Terry Jones passed away this week. Do you guys know who that is? Fill us in, Chris. Okay. Well, Terry Jones is of Monty Python fame. So I want to pay him a little homage here because actually I was I was sick sickler in the week. I was watching the this awesome Monty Python documentary, which if you guys haven't ever watched that. Uh, the or, Monty Python documentary or Monty Python in general? Uh, both. Okay. But I was watching the documentary and it was amazing. And you forget just how talented these guys were and how revolutionary they were. And I was watching that early in the week. And then just, I think, yesterday, the day before, he passed away. So... Sad news, but uh, Monty Python definitely had an indelible mark on my career and definitely my form of comedy. Uh, and so I just wanted to give a shout out to him and to that whole crew uh, as well. And I'm curious, like, do you guys celebrate Monty Python? Like, is that in the, you know, is that is that something you guys have done in the past? This is where I'm doing my generational course. Yeah, and I'm
1: curious what you're going to say.
2: I've never seen it.
1: You know, I I saw it because my dad showed it to me. And I think at a young age, my parents thought it was funny and thought it was something that should be added to my uh, film library and added to the quote list. Because there's quite a bit of quotes uh, that come from the Monty Python series and the movie, if that's uh, accurate.
0: Yeah, no, that's right. For sure. Definitely. And I think if you've never seen Life of Brian, you've never seen uh, the Holy Grail. If you got a chance this weekend, stop. Pop it in the old VCR if you still have one of those, which you don't. Put it on Netflix, whatever it is, stream it. Chris, Check we it don't
1: out. even have DVD players.
0: <laughs> no, you don't. You don't. So,
1: yeah, we're a little lost.
0: No, you're good, though. You'll find it. You'll find it. I'm sure you can search for it. But, hey, it's worth the watch. And, again, really, really exquisite work that they did. All right, let's get to the headlines first. Let's give a shout-out to our sponsor, Trigo. Trigo, of course, helps grocers unlock the true beauty of brick-and-mortar retailing by designing a magical checkout-free experience using computer vision and AI. Together with Tesco, Trigo is now building the largest checkout-free store ever built. Carter, you want to kick us off here?
1: Yeah, for sure. So story number one, Google is rolling out the ability for consumers to see clothes, shoes, accessories from across the web in one place with its search functionality on mobile devices, which is absolutely awesome. I'll talk a little bit about why I'm so excited about this. So search has always left users finding links, obviously, to different products through different websites, etc. But now when consumers search for apparel and accessory items like quote-unquote running shoes, right, Uh, or a women's leather belt, Google identifies the popular products from stores across the web and brings them all to together in this awesome new interface. Now, for me, this is incredibly exciting. Low hanging fruit for Google and it's kind of surprising it's taken them and we've talked about this in the last few weeks why it's taking them so long to look at small and I know it's not a small piece of work for them to make this change, but small improvements in the actual user experience that could really really make a difference. So, when you look at Google going up against Amazon as Google continues to lose ground in terms of product searches and more and more people starting their product search over 60% on Amazon alone, um it's features like this that's going that are going to differentiate Google from the competitors. Mm-hmm. And for me when I say hey I want to look for a new crew neck sweatshirt or I'm looking for whatever the item might be, all of a sudden now there's a reason to go to Google because I know that I'm going to get the plethora of options for, from across the internet, not only just brands that are available on Amazon. And I think there are specific categories that that's going to have a huge effect on, uh, especially as we start to see people opt out of the Amazon.com platform. As we talked about Nike just a few weeks back, right. um, some of the top you know, providers, the top styles or the top manufacturers, the top brands. Are choosing to avoid Amazon. And I think this feature is going to make it even more tempting to avoid the platform altogether. So uh, though it might look small in today's read, I think this is a huge step in the right direction for Google and something that's going to potentially uh, change the online shopping landscape as a whole.
0: Yeah, And a category in which Amazon is vulnerable to specifically apparel. But Emma, you tried this out, right? Like I you did. actually looked to see kind of how this is working. What'd you find?
2: Yeah, it's a dramatic improvement from what used to be the um, Google Shopping feature. How so? I would say, so you used to, ha- like, you'd see one and a half products when you clicked the shopping tab, and you had to scroll down to, like, keep getting them. Mm-hmm. And they didn't make sure that those products were in stock or anything. Yeah, it was,
1: it was cr- like, it was it's, so yeah, unreliable. Yeah, yeah, it was
0: not user-friendly in any way, shape, or form.
2: But, yeah, now you... You have to wait a second for it to show up on the page, but it shows you about 12 or 15 different products all right next to each other. You get to compare them. They only show you ones that are in stock and then they choose really popular ones. I think it's also kind of catered to things I've looked at in the past, of sure. course, but it's so much easier to use. You get to see the size, you get to filter by gender, size, all kinds of things. And yeah, it's just so much more of an improvement.
0: It's almost like, a, I mean, you have the potential to be kind of, kind of that super web browser, that super app kind of interface, right? totally. like we're hey, we're just gonna sit on top. And as long as we can create the common capabilities that you need in e-commerce, the funny part about this is I'm talking about it. It doesn't seem that hard. Like, why has this taken so long? is one question I have. but yeah, it's really interesting and I'm kind of glad they're doing it to be honest.
1: I'm excited to try it out. I'm glad Emma you were able to dive in and actually see it come to life but there's like a few products coming you know to mind right now that's like yeah I was forced to actually use Amazon Wardrobe earlier this morning ironically um, but, forced
0: to was what was involved in the forcing of that?
1: Well I, I think the idea of like not having used the brands before not knowing the quality of the product not knowing if sizing is right or wrong like I think that's when Amazon Wardrobe actually comes into play but how nice would it than yeah. if I were able to go look to more premium brands to say, hey, I want to do the same type of thing, uh, but yes, not necessarily use you know the Amazon search functionality and and maybe the detriments that, that come alongside of that. Well, Emma,
0: you said something to me earlier this week as we were just talking in passing too, which is, you know, p- people don't necessarily want to shop in just one brand all the time, you know, and they might want to mix and match or see how things coordinate across that. And so, like, you know, being able to do these types of things in apparel where you're filtering across different sizes, different product types. And then even seeing just different product types in the same categories across different retailers that are available. That's that's usually advantageous because that's how people want to shop.
2: I love that. That's how I shop. I don't follow one brand specifically. So seeing I typed in like black puffer coat Mm -hmm. and seeing 20 different options right there was really cool.
0: Yeah, right. And did you feel good about the black puffer coat that you procured from Canada Goose, by the way?
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, how are you? You bought about a Canada that Canada Goose jacket? She jacket? got one
0: after our whole, our whole thing here oh, the last man. couple of months. Yeah.
2: yeah. It's warm. Yeah. Like, it is real warm. Worth
0: the investment, right?
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. That was one of my favorite interviews from NRF. He was awesome. Justin Ng from Shout Out he to was you cool. if you're listening. That
1: was super. Yeah, that was amazing. And if you haven't listened to it, it's in the feed. So definitely scroll on yeah. down a little bit and take a listen. I love that one. I love that one. But yeah, no, I mean,
0: and then I think even too, like as you start talking about the influencer phenomenon, which you and I were talking about this week too, like you know influencers aren't going to necessarily just pick the shoes from one brand and the jacket from the same brand they're going to go across you know the range as well so so yeah i think this is really cool it's interesting to see just another you know indication of the ongoing battle between you know amazon google and throw facebook in there too in this same genre as we've talked about so totally all right let's hit up the next story the next story concerns a new initiative called area 15 and it And Intel is partnering with Area 15 on a new retail experience in Las Vegas. Now, this experience is set to open in April. And according to Chain Store Age, it is, quote, planned to be edgy, interactive, and a trend ahead mall. No two visits to this mall, I'm still quoting, will be the same. Now, the idea here is that Intel is going to work with this mall development group. Uh, The mall development group is the Fisher Brothers Real Estate and also the creative agency Benville Studios. And they're going to create an experience incubation hub. And it's going to allow experiential retail professionals to test new design concepts and technologies. Now, I'm curious to see. It's supposed, as I said, it's supposed to, I think, open in April. And we'll see how this plays out. I think this is, for me, this is a big question. Full disclosure, too, Intel is actually going to be one of our sponsors for Shop Talk. Uh, We're actually going to be hopefully covering this in the future as well. This thing is near and dear to my heart. People talk about the experience economy. They talk about the experience economy in retail. And that's the big question out there is like, how does experience and retail blend together? Like, do people want to buy products when they're out enjoying their meals or they're doing their top golf, or whatever the hell it is? And then also, how do you do it at scale? How do you put the technology that makes you or gives you the ability to replicate those types of experiences, the retail that combines with it over and over and over again? So there's going to be a lot to learn here. I applaud them like hell for trying to do this. Early, early indications as we're just getting word of the story of what this looks like. Haven't seen it yet ourselves, but I'm excited about at least the
1: idea of what this is about. It, the videos online are absolutely insane and like... Uh, the mix of whether it's entertainment and retail isn't necessarily doing it justice. I mean, we're talking more of a museum, like Las Vegas style museum, Las Vegas style installations, Las Vegas style exhibits mixed with retail. So, um, think about it's a great point, black lights, flash. I mean, the thing is insane. And if you look at like the launch video, it is, uh, all themed area 15, area 51, right? Um, and it is way out there. Now, um, what I think is interesting about this is, is this going to work in Vegas? It is right in line with Vegas. Like it is Vegas written all over it. And I think Chris, you mentioned the mix, you know, when people are at Top Golf, they want to do retail. Now I think it's a little different. I look at it in a little bit of a different way. Um, I think it's what is going to bring people in the door? Like what is that attraction moment? And then what retail is there, uh, alongside of it? Now that doesn't necessarily mean it's just an attract moment. That's the only thing it's doing. But when you look at, uh, groups of people, when you look at trying to figure out what's the one destination that's going to accomplish, not only an entertainment play, but maybe a few different shopping aspects of things as well. Um, You're starting to look at really what that mix is, and that's not necessarily exclusive to this Area 15 concept. So I'll be super curious how this works. I think for Vegas, it's another attraction on the list, so it's going to draw people in. I'm not completely familiar with the logistics of where it's actually located, but I think the point is people are looking for an entertainment destination to do in Vegas, and I think this is going to check the box for them.
0: And Carter, I think that's a good point too, because it's an interesting place to do the experiment because the bar is really high. Now it's going to afford you the ability to probably spend some money more so than you would in a normal situation. So you got to be cognizant of that that you're not overspending against the you know what you're trying to learn from the experiments. But if you can do it, people are going to expect a lot, and you're going to have to bring it together. I think we, bringing it up a level, I think, is also important for the audience. Which is this is all about. This is also about how do you scale everything that it takes to coordinate new retail, right? And we've talked about this before, but there's three legs of the stool of new retail, right? There's cloud cost. So when you start looking at physical spaces and Carter, you and I've talked about this a lot in terms of mall development and some of the work you and I both do with the mall industry, but you know, having cloud commerce running real-time data, real-time data happening and being captured in that entire physical location coordinated across all the experiences and all the purveyors. And that's something everyone has to buy into. So I'm curious how this plays out in that regard. You then have to have the application layer where you're using recording devices to get that data, right? And so how that's going to be done through all the different systems that these people are using and it's supposedly changing out. So getting people to plug into that easily and quickly, that's something that's hard to do. So you're going to have to learn that too. And then, of course, there's all the analytics and insights that you can put on top of that as you're understanding where people are going, what paths they're taking, where they're spending time, where they're buying, where they're not buying, where they're getting inspired, all those kinds of things. And which of those pound for pound make a difference, um, especially in terms of of the analytics, in terms of what's going on from a sales perspective. So I think that's what's really fundamentally, if you just step back that is really what's cool about this and i'm really curious to see
1: like how intel partners uh, with Fisher Brothers and Benville Studios to pull that all off. Yeah, and I won't mitigate the the cool factor that what what the other half of the equation is, which is a small percentage but has a huge impact, is what do you do with that infrastructure? Now that infrastructure is perfect. Now you have all the data, everything you might want and yeah. need. Everyone yeah. buys in and you have this perfect utopia of retail. Well, then what do you do with all of that? And how is this thing changing? And you know, are the people involved really going to leverage that to build new experiences and optimize what's happening in a way that's right for the consumer? And I I think uh, it, it's to be seen. I don't think that's uh, I don't want to hate on them to say it's not happening yet because all the tools are there. And this is probably one of the first examples to your point yeah. where we're seeing everyone play together in a really unique way. Yeah, I think it's an aggressive go and
0: get and we'll see what happens. Like, I think it'll be interesting to see the, the real big question will be, OK, when is the next one?
1: And what did you take from the first one? And how does it change now that if it goes beyond Las Vegas?
0: Right, exactly. Or if it's bigger or smaller or whatever and is in a different locale, can you make it happen? And that's, I
1: think, essentially what they're trying to do.
0: All right, Carter, you want to do story number three? Take us back.
1: Uh, story number three actually will be Emma. So we're talking a little about oh, CVS. Emma. All right. Yeah. Sorry about that.
2: <laughs> All right. So CVS Health is converting hundreds of stores in 2020 to a new concept. The company plans to update hundreds of its stores to the new Health Hub format this year, according to CNBC. The design of the revamped stores allocates 20% of the space to health services, including durable medical equipment and supplies and new product and service combinations to help customers manage conditions like sleep apnea and diabetes care. It also offers one-on-one and group counseling delivered by an in-store licensed dietitian, as well as access to a free weight loss digital app.
0: Wow. Wow. Whoa! That was a mouthful. Yeah. Yeah. Literally for me. Thanks for picking (laughs) me up on that too. I still find a cold. So thanks for picking me up on that last little goof. But uh, yeah, that's a lot there. What do you guys think of this one?
1: I I think this move towards holistic health is from a macro standpoint, something we're seeing from a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and who can own the space, you know, isn't necessarily the winner, but I think people are quickly trying to reconfigure whatever their offering might be to try to fit into this trend. Now, the question is, is it just a trend or is it a long-term strategy? Um, are the things that they're offering actually going to be benefit to the community around them? Are they going to get all the Starbucks, that community aspect side of things with this new uh, space and the new offerings and the new app? Like, that's all great and grand, but unless people actually use it, is it really being of benefit? And I think that's what's really hard with this is that you look and say, great, you can offer this weight loss app. You can offer this space. You can do all of that. Um, but are people actually coming in? Is it a good enough product? Does it have you know, barriers to entry? Are they eliminated? Like, are people actually using it? And success matters based on that. Uh, you can put all the space you want in your store, but if it's just a walkthrough to get to the back pharmacy, it doesn't do you any good. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, and I think brand matters too. So I'm curious to get your guys' take on this too because Walgreens, tr- Walgreens has tried this,
1: but they've actually been
0: kind of putting it by the wayside. They've actually been slowing it down. Whereas the data, even some of the data from Placer that we've seen in the past, like probably six, seven months ago, said this initially looks like it's working for CVS and hence they're making the call to roll out more of them. Like does brand, how does brand matter in this? Like to me, when I look at juxtapose Walgreens against CVS, if I'm going to think about this personally, I'd rather do it at a CVS than a Walgreens.
1: I I personally, and Emma, I'd be curious what you think, because uh, I personally think that Walgreens and CVS both fall really short on this. I think that other brands that younger consumers look to in terms of trust, a la Target, a la... Like even weird, like I mean, you look at the brands that we all trust and love: Star- Target, Starbucks, Lululemon, etc. Like I think they are much more ripe as much as that hurts to say that mm-hmm. these companies have been in the health scene for years and years and years. Um, but when it comes to health, when it comes to holistic kind of wellness. We're going to look to a brand that we love and trust. And I think that right now, CVS and Walgreens have been yeah. the convenience store that you pick up some candy from and maybe milk when you forgot it, um, not someone we trust with health.
0: Let me press on that though, before I'm before you answer that too, because how much of this though is to your generations or is this, this is really a play to the older generations, right? Is very true? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that
1: is a valid, that is a valid so counterpoint. I
0: mean, you know, I think as much as you're saying that, I think it's more like, okay, what, what are the older generations? Cause that's how they're going to capture this business, right? I mean, are we right to set the boundaries on that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of, like, people my age, we definitely look more towards lifestyle brands Mm -hmm. for information on wellness and health and everything. And I do think this is catered towards older people. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I think I was telling you the other day, I think this gives people an opportunity who don't want to go to the doctor or can't afford to go to the doctor to access health information and Mm -hmm. products that they wouldn't otherwise be able to Mm -hmm. get. Mm -hmm. But Yeah, I mean, I still CVS is where I go to pick up a prescription, not where I'm going to get like my wellness knowledge and products.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's where to me, there's like two angles to this is I think one, I think that I take away because of the kind of the divergence between Walgreens and CVS is like, I think the brand matters. Right. And so like, you've got to continue to take that experience upscale relative to the competition. Like when I, when I walk into Walgreens, I, it's just, it's not a nice experience to me. Like generally speaking, no. you guys agree, right? Generally yeah. they're kind of dirty. They're kind of dingy. CVS is different. So you got to keep elevating that. Cause that makes me, that gets me over the hurdle the buy into that this type of stuff is happening. Yeah, And then I think to that last conversation we're, ha- we're having, I think it's, okay, how do you specifically make sure you're tailoring it to that right demographic, that right audience in the CVS stores you have? The other thing I would start to think about that gets, I think, more to the angle you guys are talking about, and I know a lot of people from CVS listen to our show, so curious to talk about this more, but I think there's an angle of how do you get into fitness? And it doesn't necessarily have to be on site at a CVS, but t- to create fitness partnerships that are just more tightly tied um, to start capturing the data or give incentives on what's happening with your younger consumers as they evolve. And that's the the two-pronged strategy I'd be taking here. How do you set up the health hubs for later in life? But then how do you also start thinking about fitness tie-ins and in what way? And what
1: can you own in the fitness world I think is key as well. Like to think that you're going to start selling running shoes and having personal trainers is not like there. But like no. what, what I went to is supplements. Like can you be the everyday supplement provider that's not the GNC crazy buff, you know, ripped person who's trying to shove a bunch of creatine, whatever. Mm-hmm. But like how can you be, you know, kind of the the navigator in the kind of the new world of supplements? It's so difficult to try to figure out. Yeah. Or license your name in terms of like, a, you know, say some of the
0: micro fitness phenomenons that are happening. You could license it. You could have partnerships where one plus one equals three, where it doesn't even create a lot of lifting, but you could potentially get reciprocal, reciprocal relationships started where you're getting data and collecting data on people. You're possibly getting new customers into the CVS fold because of some of the discounts or incentives you're offering by doing those types of partnerships. That's the two-pronged angle I take with this, but I think it's interesting. It's going to be fun to watch to see how this plays out because, God, it seems like a lot of people are levering up on this, including Walmart.
1: Yeah, and for sure. It'll be interesting to see how you know, the older demographic specifically ties into this right out of the gate. So, Chris, you and your friends will have to let us know how uh, how it goes. <laughs> All right. I got him good. And so story number four I'm is actually throwing it over back to Chris, and it's my story too. And we talked about Walgreens a little bit talked about in Walgreens the previous already. story, yeah. but it's now about beauty. So Chris, uh, story number four.
0: Yeah, so this one, this one's quick. We'll hit this one quick. But Walgreens, you know, they've tried a bunch of different things, a lot of new store layouts. They've tried to uh, add premium brands. They've even staffed beauty consultants in their stores, but they're now saying that instead of going the premium brand route and the beauty expert route mass market may continue to be the way forward. So what did they, what did we hear about this week? Well, not surprisingly, once again, it's another partnership with Kroger. So now Walgreens is planning to go mass and sell their own line of beauty products. Their number seven beauty brand into Kroger stores. They plan to sell this product into about 17 stores. Again, where all pilots seem to happen in relation to Kroger and Walgreens in Knoxville, Tennessee. So another step in that partnership. It feels like Walgreens and Kroger are doing something every week. I think it's just interesting. These guys are like these guy these guys are like a new couple that can't keep their
1: hands off each other. We'll have to move to Knoxville, I think, is what we're gonna have to do. Yeah.
0: Which I out. do need to go. I've never been.
1: Well, this is interesting.
0: it's like constant PDA with these two companies.
1: Well, I, and I think it's interesting. And I think this is an interesting tie to the story that we just got off of is what are we looking at Walgreens for specifically when it comes to the beauty category? Right. Clearly, the idea of them Representing premium beauty brands didn't work, and I think that us three sitting around the table can all understand that now. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Like, really, are you going into a Walgreens to buy premium beauty products? Um, and I, I just don't think that's the answer. Now, is it convenient? Yeah. Like, why are you walking in there? It's kind of dingy. It's kind of dirty. Like, it is a convenience play. You're there because it's close, and it has everything you need. Else. And you're doing something else. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, I'll be interested to see what comes to life within this world. Um, but, but yeah, Emma, what do you think?
2: I mean, I don't think it's that interesting. I've, I don't know anyone that goes to like a drugstore to get makeup because, like, it's just not of quality brands. Right. And we're getting more and more into like beauty where people want to put really natural stuff on their face and whatnot. And Walgreens has not catered to that. And putting your stuff in Kroger, well, it doesn't really.
0: Yeah, I mean, do you're starting. You're starting to see from even this podcast, like who's doubling down on what demographic, right? And these guys, like we said, have been hot and heavy with each other. And now it's like you said, okay, what's the convenience trip for the baby boomer and up? Well, okay, let's cater and build our stores, whether it's Kroger inside of Walgreens or Walgreens products inside of Kroger. Let's build the stores to tailor to that audience.
1: Totally, totally. All right, let's wrap it up. Story number five. Uh, This one's going to be fun. This will be good. I know, Emma, you have some opinions on this, right? Uh, So (laughs) H&M has launched three smart, they call it smart recycling bins, uh, in this NYC flagship location, um, ultimately with eight more uh, of these experiences or bins planned. So the new bins house a digital scale featuring integrated digital screens. As as shoppers deposit their bag of used clothing or unwanted clothing, uh, the scales measure how many pounds of clothes you're donating in real time. Now that measurement translates into a QR code, which you're able to scan and then ultimately get a discount from. So uh, potentially up to 15%, et cetera, et cetera, that ideally then you use to buy more clothes in the store. So a simple concept, something I'm surprised we haven't seen before. Ultimately, H&M has been under a ton of pressure, a ton of scrutiny. The fast fashion movement is turning and people are starting to become more and more conscious of these brands who are just pushing new products out. Uh, You wear it twice, you throw it away, and it's contributing to this huge amount of fashion waste uh, that I think uh, modern-day consumers are becoming more aware of. So, Emma, question. Are the new H&M scales really going to save this brand from the demise of fast fashion?
2: Uh, No. (laughs) And I want to, like, preface this with recycling is obviously very important.
1: (laughs) Good, good, uh, yeah.
2: Okay, but... What's high tech about these? That's my first question. They can weigh your clothes and give you a code like
1: high tech got them woo. uh got them in the PR cycle and they got, you know, that's I think ultimately what it is.
2: And they've been taking recycled clothing since 2013.
1: So why haven't they been promoting it, do you think?
2: Well, to begin, recycling taking in clothing that's random and not from your own brand is incredibly difficult. H&M says that they're um selling it secondhand, they're inventing new textiles with it or figuring out how to turn it everything that's recycled into new garments, which I want proof of. There's no proof anywhere that that's happening. And it's incredibly difficult and requires a ton of resources in order to make clothes sellable yeah, again. I'm,
0: you're right. I mean, the one part in this we have no idea is what is the usage rate
2: yeah. on and that program since 2013. Yeah.
0: I mean, they say where they're going. So if people are doing it, it's probably true. Yeah. But like you have no idea what how many times people are actually coming to the stores and doing this.
2: And like you said, the 15% off discount just encourages people to buy more clothes, which just keeps that like linear um usage going where clothes just end up in garbage or being recycled and then the most interesting part about this is their whole like The whole thing about this with their impact is that they're saying that for each pound of clothing donated, they're planting trees with some organization somewhere. But I dug into H&M's sustainability section on their website, and their strategy lead on climate talks about how planting trees just does nothing. Like, it doesn't help. They need to work on their supply chain and everything. Where is that? Why aren't they doing that? So it's
1: actually going against some of their core strategies that they've been promoting over the last few years, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting.
0: That is so. M and I had we had a little debate about this earlier in the week, and so we had to put it in just because we we're like we were debating this. But I mean, how much of this? Like, I don't want to. This is weird because like I don't want to be the old guy that's optimistic, which is almost like never the case, right? Like the old guy's usually the crotchy old one who's. But like, isn't there isn't there a little bit like we don't want to be too jaded on this? Like at the end of the day, like people are bringing back their clothes, they're getting them recycled. In theory, like that's a good thing to have happen, right? I mean, it also and also, I think we talk about jobs to be done. It helps me get that job done. Like, okay, I need to take I need to clean out the closet. I need to get it. I need to put it somewhere. It's better than the stuff ending up in a landfill, which, you know, could happen or, you know, something else. Hopefully not. Hopefully nobody's doing actually doing that now that I say that out loud. But but like getting that stuff cleaned out and getting it back into some form of reuse is good. Like, you know, is 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 that not a good thing?
2: No, it is. But going back to what we talked about before the podcast, it's in a New York City flagship location.
0: 100% agree with you on that. That, that was going to be my point. I think the, hard, the hardest thing I have about this story is they're doing it, what is it, Fifth Avenue in New York? Who the hell in Fifth Avenue in New York is bringing recycled clothing in? Like, do you guys really think that's happening? It's
1: a PR play. I mean, it's a total PR play. That's all it is. And I think it's, uh, it's interesting. Now, the question is, could the technology, I mean, could a company come in and disrupt this across the fast fashion world? Could they say, hey, copy, we're going like, to own these it. scales. We're going to own the background of it. You know, we're not going to give you 15% back, but ultimately this is what you should be doing. Um, and, you know, they have a partnership with Goodwill or whatever. Um, I think that others could own this in a way that's much more uh, real and true. Um, H&M, it just, to your point, Emma, not only on the on the face does it seem incorrect or kind of uh, not to their their persona, uh, but you dug into it and realized that even at the core, it's completely contrary to a lot of what they've been saying.
2: Yeah, they know that they need to address the problems with their supply chain and the fast fashion industry and respect. Recycling bins just aren't enough. And so... And I want proof of where all this clothing is going.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think that's it too. Like I think your point too. Like we, they said they plan to roll to eight more locations by 2020, and those locations are all in the high tourist areas like LA, Miami. So again, it's you can tell that's veiled PR. I mean, you talk about that all the time, Carter. What do you call it? Sizzle or whatever? Sizzle or fizzle? What? Is, what is it? Your th- I, is it your, I, your I, expression I from Q4? I'm trying to remember. Is it?
1: Oh well, it's buzz buzzwords. Buzzwords. It- yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So you know, it's all that. And until I see this in Rosedale Mall. You know, then I'll give it some credence. But it also brings the question, like, why don't why don't the malls facilitate this in total? Like why doesn't why don't all the specialty retailers buy in to allowing everyone
1: who wants to come into a mall and do that. Like, well, that's there's just the Better thing. ways to do this, you know. I think as people become more socially conscious, or you know, in society, conscious of where their clothes are going, and you look at yes, though it is kind of this demise of fast fashion, it's still something that has a grip on kind of consumers day in and day out. Now, going to Goodwill obviously is a really awesome thing, but is that experience really something that people want? And you know, is that whole consumer experience something that Goodwill has a capacity to uh, continue to improve on? Maybe not, but who does malls, other retailers, potentially a brand coming in to own this whole thing. So um, I think it's a really interesting concept that I th- think we'll see expansion on from a player that's not H&M.
0: Yeah, right. Especially when you bring in the efficiency of time into the equation. So, all right, well, that closes us up this week. And if you're listening, we miss you. Hope you're having a great vacation. We're excited to see you next week. I want to give a shout out to Chain Store Age Two. I don't know if those of you guys are familiar, but actually we scan a lot of news sources. And this week, Chain Story storage provided a lot of the source material for us. I think they're one of the best in the business. Some of their writers do an exceptional job covering this industry. So if you haven't subscribed to them as well as, of course, to us, be sure to do so because they just do one hell of a bang up job. To that point, please remember to like, review, and subscribe to our podcast. Every little difference makes a difference. Our reviews have been steadily climbing. If you haven't left us a review yet, please stop what you're doing right now. Write that review on iTunes. It means a lot. And also along those lines, our following on LinkedIn for our OmniTalk page has exploded since the summer. Growth statistics are really off the charts. So if you're not following us on LinkedIn, please stop. Do that as well. Share it on LinkedIn as well. Tell your friends. That goes a huge, long way for us in terms of being able to provide a ton of content for you coming out of shows, in terms of interviewing different companies. So please help us out there as well. Emma, Carter, hope you guys have a great weekend. Any big plans? Work. You're working at Warby? Yeah. All right. I Mm -hmm. might stop in and see you this week. I think I have to go to the mall this weekend. Are you working Saturday and Sunday? Uh Uh-huh. I should go. We want to go together? Because I need some more glasses. I got discounts. Oh, there we go. I need a suit. Oh, jeez. I Uh might might hit up the suit supply. Shout out to suit supply. (laughs) I like saying that. It's good alliteration. All right, Carter, what do you got going on?
1: Uh, just some early birthday celebrations. Me and my dad, so it would be fun uh, the hanging the out with Charlie. Yeah, so that's uh, that's what we got going on.
0: Nice. I got kids soccer and uh, maybe, maybe, as I said, some soup buying. So hopefully I'll see you guys around town this weekend. So for all of you, from all of us, as usual, be careful out there.